If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We'll start with verse 7. We'll start with verse 7. As y'all are flipping to that, I, I just want to kind of give some explanation of where we're going today and for you to have some uh, understanding. A few days ago, I was doing my devotion. I was spending some time with the Lord, and uh, I was reading in Mark chapter 4. And at the beginning of Mark chapter 4, Jesus walks into the parable of the sower, uh, the parable of the sower. And so he goes on to share the parable, uh, and he says something interesting at the very end of the parable. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and you see that kind of multiple times throughout the Bible. And here's the thing about Jesus and his parables. He didn't do a lot of explanation of what these parables really meant. A few of them, he might say some things, but a lot of times Jesus would share a parable and ultimately those who had ears to hear would hear and understand what he is saying. Um, today, I, I wanna say this. As I've been praying, as I've been believing for this message, I really feel that what is to be spoken today is kind of in the same vein. I'm not necessarily going to say that I have a ton of explanation to what God has wanted me to fully declare. And some of y'all might be like, well, what does that even mean? But, uh, but what I want to say is this. I believe that God has something really important for some people in this room. I don't think it's necessarily for everyone in this room, though part of me is like, yes, every message from God is. But I believe there's some people in this room that really need to connect with what is being said today. And so my, my challenge to you is this. If you have ears to hear, hear what God has to say today. Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through 11 say this. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you, so if you who are sinful people know how to give such good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask for him? Man, in the church, we love this. We love these verses. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And ultimately we, we declare these verses and we take hope in these verses that as we're persevering through what we're looking for, that in that moment of, of, of receiving what we ask for, in that moment of finding what we've sought after, in that moment of waiting for the door that we've been knocking on to open, we take hope in these scriptures because, you know, Jesus said, ask and ye shall find. Or ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. So we hold on to these. And I would ultimately say like, these are some really popular verses in church. You, you spend enough time in church, at some point some pastor's gonna throw it out or someone around you in the church is gonna throw out, um, is gonna throw out that verse as well. But even though it's the most popular, it's not what we're gonna focus on today. Once again, as we continue on to verses nine through 11, we get to a point, and as I said, Jesus sometimes, it seems like he's very cryptic in what he has to say. It's kind of hard to understand, but Jesus makes it very clear for all of us in this moment. He says, look, parents, if your kid asks for bread, who's going to give him a rock? Who's going to give him a stone? Like, can we all comprehend this? Like, this is like elementary stuff. Jesus is making it pretty simple. And then he's like, who is a parent? If your kid wants fish, are you going to hand him a snake? 
Like, like as parents, like you're going to get, like you wouldn't do that. And so ultimately, but then he, he wraps up with this declaration. He says, if sinful people know how to give good gifts, how much more will our heavenly father give good gifts? If you as sinful people can give such good gifts, how much more then will your heavenly father give good gifts? And, and it's this declaration right here that I wanna speak on today. It's from this declaration right here, as I mentioned already, uh, in the context of what Jesus is speaking, it's in the process of ask, seek, knock. It's a lot about asking from the Lord and the Lord will give, uh, but that's not necessarily like the context in which I feel to speak on this today as I've been praying. And God has opened my eyes to an understanding and, and there's a concept that we can find, even though he's talking about asking and receiving, there's a concept that he wants us to look at today and it's simply this. If sinful people can do good things, give good things. If sinful people can do good, how much greater than is God? How much greater is than is our heavenly father? So let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to walk into this place. Lord, as I've stated already, I believe that there are so, there's those in this room who truly need to hear what is being said today. And I simply say again, if we have ears to hear, God, may we hear and may we understand what the voice of God is speaking in this place today. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, we give you all honor and all praise. And it's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Let's take a right turn for a second. I have an incredible relationship with my father. And it's something, um, it's something that I realize uh, not everyone has. Not everyone had an incredible relationship with their father. And so I hold on to that dearly. I hold on to that dearly. But uh, it didn't just happen. Like my dad put in some work to have a good relationship with me and my two brothers. He made sacrifices along the way so that he could have a relationship uh, with us so that he could have a relationship with us. And so I have a good relationship with my father. I have many good memories with my father. I have many good memories with my father. I, I, I can close my eyes and though I don't really remember everything about my childhood house, uh, I can close my eyes and remember uh, as I walked through the front door on Hill Street of my childhood home, I could walk in and the TV was off to the side uh, and it's a little thing. And then there was a couch on this wall. There usually was some sort of seat on this side. But in this back corner, there was, uh, there was a recliner and that was my dad's seat. My dad sat in that recliner and I can remember many times that my seat in that living room was in his lap on that recliner. As a young kid, there's photos of me just laying on his chest and stomach uh, as a baby. And as I got older, of course, I couldn't do that anymore. I got a little bit bigger. Uh, so, but he would sit me in between his legs or I would sit on the armrest right next to him. Like that was my seat. I wanted to be with my father and my father wanted to be with me. It's a, it's a memory that I hold on to. And ultimately, I don't have to like visualize too hard because I see him do the same things with Israel and Kylan to this day. He sits them right there in between his legs or they sit up right next to him. And so I look at that and I remember being that kid. I remember being with my dad like that. Another memory that I have is growing up, I absolutely loved playing golf. I still love playing golf. It's my favorite sport to play. And in the process of that, I've been on many golf trips with my father. Uh, we've shared many moments of playing awful and getting angry together. And we shared good moments of having some great shots as well. But that's not the memories that I hold on to dearly. It's being 
playing in the backyard, barefooted, chipping golf balls, and my dad walking outside, grabbing his club and chipping golf balls with me. And we would play games like closest to the tree. Uh, and then we would also play uh, another favorite is who could hit around the house uh, and his less shots and not break anything uh, on the house. And so <laughs> thankfully we never did. We never did, at least with a golf ball, maybe baseballs and stuff. But uh, actually Mitch will do with the golf ball. Other story. Uh, Jack never did. Jack never did. But I hold, I hold dearly to that memory. I hold dearly to that memory. And then another thing that I really love about my father is I, I remember sitting upstairs uh, in the same room that we still to this day, if I ever go over to his house, it's the same room. We sit upstairs. He's got his spot. I've got my spot. It's to the right of him, not like the whole right hand of the father type thing, but I just, that's my spot. I sit to the right of him and we watch so much WWE. We watch some good wrestling. We watch the Titans play every Sunday. We would watch the Grizzlies. We'd watch the Yankees, like any sporting event, like our teams, we were on it. Sometimes we'd watch teams we didn't even care for, but we just absolutely, like, I love those moments of sitting there and, and seeing a, a, a legend, NFL legend pop on screen and be like, dad, who is he? Was he even good? And my dad talking about it and then are seeing an old WWE wrestler and be like, dad, what, what was he like? And then him explaining it to me. And, and sometimes we didn't even say nothing to each other. Sometimes we just sat there with each other. And it was just the simple fact that we were in the very presence of each other that made it all worth it. Like just to be sitting there with my dad, he didn't have to say nothing to me, but I knew he was there. And I would dare say for him just to be sitting with my son, Jack ain't got to say nothing. I'm just glad that he's in the same room with me, that he's in the same room with me. For a moment, close your eyes. I want you to picture a memory that you might have with your father or your mother or a grandparent or whoever raised you. Maybe you've got a similar story of remembering being in the arms of your father or arms of your mother or an aunt or a grandmother, or a grandfather. Maybe you got that memory of going and fishing together. Maybe you got that memory of working on vehicles together. Maybe you got that memory of cooking together in the kitchen. Maybe you got that memory of throwing baseball in the backyard or softball in the backyard. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all had that memory, but here's what's special about that. And all of the memories I just shared, I've always got someone to look up to, and that's my father. In all of those memories, and, and here's the thing, there's a vulnerableness that comes in that moment. Because I can even take to times where storms would take place in our home, I would run straight to my parents' room. And it was in the arms of my mother, or it was in the arms of my father that I felt comfort. And just something I felt the Lord wanted me to speak today is this. Some of us need to remember what it's like to be a child again. Some of us need to remember what it's like to be a child again, what it's like to be vulnerable and come to your parents and know that it doesn't matter what you're dealing with or what you're going through or to, or to come to a grandparent and just share and say, hey, just lay it all on the table and they don't look at you any different. But they just love you. That they help you, that they're there for you. I believe that we all have moments like that in our own lives. But some of us need to remember what it was like to be a child again. And the flip side of that, at what point did we become so mature that we were no longer children of our Heavenly Father? Your Heavenly Father is wanting to spend time with His children today. But until we learn to take off maturity 
and put on a child in his spirit again, we can't meet with our father. I'm Paul's. Y'all can look again. Once again, I have an incredible relationship with my father, and I'm very thankful for it. I have many memories, and we're making more. My father is one of the most loving, most caring men I've ever met. He, he, is, he, is, the, he is an image of someone who is willing to take the shirt off his own back and give it to you if you need it. My father has expensive taste when it comes to Bibles. He, he never felt that it was like, he didn't want no cheap Bible. He wanted like genuine leather. He's got goat skin, calf skin, cows. Like, I don't even know they make that many skinned Bibles, but like he's got all these like very expensive Bibles. And throughout my entire life, he's bought so many. Yet in his office, he's got like four or five of them. And that's because along the process, he just began giving those Bibles out because he says, you know what, hey, why don't you take it? Why don't He just loves to give. We would go on mission strips. He would have a brand new backpack or a brand new bag that he just bought, super excited about. We would get there. He would see a pastor struggling. And he was like, hey, I want to give my backpack to you. I'm pretty sure there are times he wanted to give other things. And mom may have been like, I don't know if you should do that. Uh, <laughs> but um, he's just a very giving person. I know my father loves me. I know my father loves me. I know my father is proud of me. I know my father is proud of my two brothers as well. And in my entire life, he has always taken care of me. My entire life, my father has always been there for me. Even as an adult, if I need something, I can call him and he'd be at my house in, what, eight minutes. If I'm ever in need, he wants to give to help. And even in times I really don't need help, he's like, I still want to help. I still want to give. I love my father. But here's the thing. My father's not perfect. My father is a sinful man. Yet if a sinful man can love and care for his children that much, how much greater than is the love that our heavenly father has for us? If my father, who's a sinful man in need of a savior, is able to love me so much and care for me so much, how much greater does my heavenly father love and care for me? Those with ears hear what the Lord is speaking today. For those of you who don't know, in less than two months, uh, uh, me and Katie will be welcoming our first child uh, into this world. We're super excited about Rose Aubrey Van Duzer. We're super excited about Rose Aubrey. And um, I've had many roles in life, I've been a son. I've been a student, I've been a teammate, I've been a friend, I've been an intern, I've been a leader, uh, I'm in the role of pastor, but in a couple, a couple weeks, I'll get to step into a new role, and that is of a father. That is of a father, and I would, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't nervous at all, uh, but when speaking to all gentlemen who have walked through fatherhood, uh, they have all said the exact same things, because uh, it's just the unknown. You've never truly experienced it before, but I, I would say this too, the, the excitement and anticipation to meet my daughter and to spend time with her and to watch her grow up far exceeds any nervousness that I feel, and so anyway, I'm just super excited for that moment. I'm super excited for this moment. When we found out that uh, Katie was pregnant, um, very early on, I told her I believe that we are going to have a daughter. 
Uh, of course, everybody and their mother was like, you're having a daughter, but, uh, uh, which is true, we are. <laughs> but I can remember very early on before we really started telling people, I looked around, I was like, I truly do believe uh, that we're going to have a daughter. Uh, and I had this because back in 2013, I, I had the privilege of going on a missions trip to Thailand. Uh, and while we were there, we got to go to different schools. We got to kind of put on a program and share the gospel of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Paul was with us, Team Epicur, I think was our name. Yes, sir. Uh, so our, our team to Thailand. And, but while we were there, we went to a specific orphanage. Uh, and what we were doing was we were coming in. Uh, a big group of the ladies who were working at this orphanage, like they were going to take them out. They were going to get their nails done. I think even go to lunch, like they were going to pamper them. And just like a, hey, uh, we love you. God loves you here. And then we, as the team, were going to stay back and we were just going to take care of the, uh, we we're going to take care of the kids. And I want to pause that because sometimes service uh, and serving and showing the love of Jesus looks like watching some children uh, so others can be blessed. And so I just wanted to say that. Um, but so that's what we did. And so we watched, and there's two students or two kids that stood out to me the most. There was one, um, I don't remember necessarily everything that was going on, but I do know this, um, the baby had to stay awake. The baby had to stay awake, uh, like, had to stay awake. There's no way it needed to go to sleep. It had to make it to a certain point. And so as we're sitting there, as we're sitting there, uh, lo and behold, uh, Pastor Paul just took it upon himself to say, you know what, this is going to be my job. And he held that child as it screamed, and as it cried and he rocked it, he got up, he walked around with that child and just took care of that child. That stands out to me uh, and really doesn't have a ton to do with where we're going. But I just want to say thank you, uh, Pastor Paul. Like that meant a lot to me to watch that as a young man, to see that you were willing to take the thing that no one else really wanted or the, the child. You're willing to take something that was going to be hard and it may have been hard for you or it may, you know, it might not have been a perfect thing, but you were willing to do it because you understood you were serving the Lord. So I just wanted to say that and share some honor with you. And so, so we're sitting there, and so that stood out to me. And then there was this little girl that, uh, there was this little girl that was there, and man, the moment we got there, just watching her play and stuff, I was like, man, this, she's cute, she's hilarious, like she's funny. I'm like, this little girl, she ain't saying a word, and if she did, it would be in Thai and not in English, and so I wouldn't even understand what she's saying, but like, she was hilarious to me. I thought she had a great sense of humor, and so we're sitting there, and just laughing, and uh, there, was, there was one moment that I found hilarious. They had a little chopped up hot dogs for lunch, and so the kids all sat down, and they were eating their little chopped up hot dogs, and, uh, and they finished their plates and stuff, but when they went back to playing, this little girl that had caught my attention, her lip, upper and lower lip, looked a little puffy, and what was funny to me was she, she was done eating, but she wasn't done eating, and so she hid uh, the hot dogs in the top and lower part of her lip, and so as she's playing, she would just randomly just start eating another hot dog along the way. And so, and of course, once again, I'm like, this girl is hilarious. And so, um, so I'm watching this, I'm watching this. And then, uh, then they start sharing some stories about some of these kids that we're watching. Uh, and they get to the girl that I've been, that's been standing out to me. And come to find out that this, this little girl is the product of a failed abortion. That her, her mother was anywhere from 12 to 14 years old try to have an abortion and it didn't work and ultimately had the baby. And I, I sit there and I'm looking at her after hearing this, I'm going, my Lord, I couldn't imagine her not being here. I couldn't imagine not seeing her. Like, she's hilarious. She, she's beautiful. She's, she's smart. Like, how? Man, and God broke my heart in that moment for that little girl. Like, like, I've never had my heart broken like that before. And so as I sat there and as I'm looking at her, God began speaking. And in that moment, I truly felt God say, one day you will have a daughter. 
you will have a daughter. And so from that moment, I can't remember if it was January or the date or the calendar flipped over to February, but in the beginning of 2013, I said, you know what? I'm going to start praying for my future daughter. I don't know if it'll be my first child, my second child. I don't know, but I'm going to believe for her. I'm going to pray for her. So since 2013, six years, six years before I ever even met Katie, I began praying for my future daughter. And this is the prayer. It's been the same then and it's the same now. Lord, I pray over my future daughter. Or today, Lord, I pray over Rose that every day of her life, she would know you. Lord, I pray over my daughter, Rose. Lord, I pray over my future daughter that every day of her life, her feet would never stray from the path of righteousness. Lord, I pray over my future daughter. Lord, that she would be a woman of integrity and not compromise. Lord, I pray over my future daughter that she is going to be beautiful, she's going to be smart, she's going to be strong, and she is going to be wise. Lord, I pray over my future daughter, Lord, that she would be a walking image of Proverbs 31. Lord, I, I, I've, I've taken time, I've prayed over her husband, I've prayed over her kids, and then in the process of that, I realized that God puts a calling on each and every single one of our lives. And, and I don't know what, what Rose is going to do. I don't know what God's going to lead her to do. But God, I, I've been praying, God, that whatever calling you place upon her life, may she strive in it. That in the midst, the only person I want her to love more than me or more than her mother, Lord, is I want her to love you. And in the process of waiting for my child now, I, I've got dreams I've got hopes. I've got aspirations for my daughter. One thing I've really truly been believing is like, Lord, I want her to like double, triple, quadruple the impact on the kingdom that I have in my entire life. That, Lord, if I reach the United States, I want her to reach internationally. God, if she reaches internationally, then I want her to reach the world. God, if I'm able to have a touch across the world, Lord, I pray that she has a touch in every nation of this world. Like, like I am believing for great things. I have dreams for her. And I'm so excited to meet her. But here's the thing. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinful man. Yet if a sinful man can have such dreams and such prayers and such aspirations for a child, how much greater, how much greater are the dreams and the aspirations that our Heavenly Father has for us? Once again, I'm sinful. I'm in need of a Savior. Yet I could dream and think such things for my daughter, how much greater then is one who is perfect? How much greater then does our heavenly father have dreams and aspirations for us? A few months ago, I asked a question on Facebook. There was purpose behind it. I didn't just do it randomly, but I said, what's your favorite part about being a father? What is your favorite part about being a father. And once again, I held on to these, threw them in some, threw a note on my phone because I knew one day like there was purpose of using this down the road and I felt God wanted me to share today. And so I've got about nine answers that I typed down, but what is your favorite part about being a father? And these are some of the responses that I got. Number one, watching the you in them, but at the same time, seeing the better them in them. That even when they're struggling, even, even, like, even if they're not living up to their full potential, like you still see the best in them. My favorite part about being a father, next person said, I love, my favorite part is seeing their faces light up. When I walk into seeing their faces light up, it makes me want to be the best that I can be for my children. 
watching their face light up. I really like these next two ones. This, this father said his favorite part about being a father is showing him brand new things, showing his son brand new things. He said the other day, my son found a flashlight and I taught him how to turn it on. And he said, we spent time uh, in his dark room now just turning on the flashlight and just waving it. He said, man, he was having a blast. He was like, it was awesome. I love showing him new things. The next father said his favorite part is watching them grow up. He said, it can be hard. He said, but the other day I watched my daughter carefully pick up a pair of scissors and begin to cut paper. And he said this, he said, I didn't even know she could do that. He said, I, I didn't even know that she had gotten to the point where she knew how to use scissors on her own. And so he's like, it hurts, but at the same time, it's so incredible to watch that process of them grow up. Another father said this, his favorite part is it's all good stuff. He said, even in the rough times and the down times, you are still a father in it all to your children. Next one says his favorite part is when, when his children come to him for help and guidance. When his children come to him for help and guidance. The next father says having a son that is just like you. We can flip that. Having a child that is just like you is his favorite part of being a father. The next one said watching them grow up with their own personalities Watching it, especially, I've heard my mom say this, especially having two or three kids or even more, like it's incredible to look and see how different, like they both, like all these kids came from you, like, but like all of them are different. Like they all have their own personalities. They all have their own uniqueness. And he, he said that his favorite part was watching the differences amongst his kids. And then the final one I want to read today, he said his favorite part about being a father is getting to hang out with his grown kids and being so thankful that they are all the best parts of himself. Eventually, I'll get to add something to that too. <laughs> but I want to say this. Aren't those incredible? Like it's incredible that those fathers feel that way. But here's the thing. They're not perfect. They're sinful. So if these sinful fathers can have such thoughts towards their kids, how much greater are our heavenly father's thoughts towards us? How much greater are our Heavenly Father's thoughts towards us? Once again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear today what's being said. Some of y'all I feel might be tracking with me. Some of y'all might not, but, but I need y'all. And I hope, I hope that you are understanding. I hope that you are grasping what is trying to be said today. What is trying to be said today? Scratch fathers for a moment, mothers as well. You know what it's like to have dreams for your children. You know what it's like to have aspirations for your children. You know what it's like to, in the good times and in the bad times. You, you know what it's like to take care of them. You know what it's like to get on to them and maybe them talk back to your face. Yet at the end of the day, you peek your head into their room while they're sleeping. And it really doesn't matter how much y'all fought with each other, how much y'all got angry at each other, how much they backtalk you, what bad thing that you did. You open that door, you look at them on the bed and you go, man. I love that kid. I love that kid. And if we as imperfect, sinful people can feel such ways about our children, how much greater does God feel about us? How much greater does God feel about us? Once again, we got to remember what it was like to be children again. 
we, we got to remember what it was like to be a child again. As I mentioned, yes, in life we're supposed to mature, but at some point in life we still have to be childish. The, the image that pops into my head, and we use it a lot in this moment, but it's like the picture of David. He comes dancing in front of the, uh, in the ark, is being brought back into Jerusalem, and he's acting, he's dancing like crazy to a point where his wife goes, you look foolish. Like, what are you doing? You look so undignified around everybody. And David said, look, I'm willing to look foolish, and I'm willing to look even more foolish. And I'll just say this, and I'm glad the Lord allowed me to say this, but like, David was a man's man. And I'll say this, like some of us were like, yeah, like we think we tough. When's, when's the last time you killed a lion or a bear? Like when's the last time for your whole nation you stood in front of Goliath, not only killed him without like a sword, not only kill him, but then you went and chopped his head off, brought his head back to the king. Like, like that's some manly stuff. If we're looking for like, like that's manly stuff. And this is what I want to say. This man who it was saying killed his ten thousands. This man was willing to look unfoolish before the Lord. And I say all that just to, and this is kind of a side note to the message, but simply this. It's not that men, like it's not that while well, I'm a man, I can't worship like that. No, it's, it's not a man issue. It's a pride issue. Like, like, and at some point, and ladies too, at some point we have to realize that there's moments in life, and David had a great understanding of this. He knew how dignified he was. He knew he was the king. He knew that people looked up to him, but he also realized it doesn't matter where my status is in this world. Sometimes I need to just take a few things off. I need to take the crown off. I need to take the robe off. If I need to put an ephod on, uh, if I need to do that, and if I need to dance and look crazy before my king, there's moments in life we need to learn that we're supposed to still be children we're still supposed to be children it's okay to get a little childish sometimes it's okay to get a little foolish sometimes but some of us we sit back and at some point in our spiritual life in first corinthians chapter one it talks about that god chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise well, in a world that says you got to mature, you got to grow up, the kingdom's like, nah, you might want to stay a child. But at some point in our spiritual lives, we've, we've matured and we've stepped out of being children of God. And now we don't look at him as a father, now we just look at him as a friend. And that's okay. like God is our friend, yes, but at the same time, he is still our heavenly father. He is still our heavenly father. And I do know this as well. There's three areas of people in this room. Number one, you might be like me. You had a relationship with your father. You have a good relationship with your father. You, you have good memories and you have good, good memories and good moments with them. Number two, you might have had a father in the home, but he wasn't much of a father. Like he may have been there, but he may have hurt. He may have just been distant. He may have played really no role. And then finally, there's a third group, and it's this, that you just straight up didn't have a dad in your life at all. And so as I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I realize that we have so many different people in this room, so many different types of people in this room. And like I said, I can talk about having a great relationship with my dad, but at some point, some people won't be able to connect to that. Some people won't be able to connect to that. And, and, and just simply, this is what I felt the Lord speaking to me. Some of us, when we think of fatherhood or when we think of a father, oftentimes our image goes straight to our earthly one. 
And, and so we have a picture of if he wasn't there or if he walked out on us or if he hurt us or if he did wrongly to us, this is, this is the image of what our father was. And sometimes, and sometimes in life when we step into experiencing our heavenly father, sometimes we, we not, not intentionally, but we superimpose our image of what our earthly father looked like onto our heavenly father. And in moments when it comes time to trust in the Lord, in moments when it comes time to like listen to the Lord, and in moments when it comes time to like believe in him, like there's that itching, itching part in the back of your mind that goes, yeah, but, but. Because my father walked out on me, the image of a father, will God really be there when I need him? Will, will God really be there when I need him? And, and I hate that that might be the image that we might have, but I can, I just say this, that is not who our heavenly father is. The word says that he will never leave us or forsake us. That, that, that he is there with us at all times. And, and the image that began to, the, the, to walk into my mind during this moment is this. I've talked about many different aspects of a father. I talked about how much my dad loved me, how much my dad cared for me. I talked about how much I dream and have aspirations for my daughter. I talked about the thoughts and the loves of, of fathers, of what they like to see in their children. And I'll simply say this, that all that we might have as human fathers, that as a heavenly father, he does the same for each and every single one of us. While we were in our mother's womb, as he knit us in our mother's womb, he began to speak dreams over your life. He began looking at you and say, I have a calling for your life. I love you. I care for you. I take pride in you. You are my child. I will do anything for you. I will protect you. I will be there for you. Like all those things took place before we were ever born. But at some point in life, we may have stepped away from the Lord. At some point in life, we may have just decided to walk into a life of sin. At some point in life, we may have disconnected from that. But can I tell you this? And what I feel God wants me to share today is simply this, that those same dreams, those same aspirations, that same love, that same care, all of that's still the same. It, you walking away from the Lord didn't disqualify him because this is what I see. I see human earthly fathers and human earthly mothers that are willing that even in the midst of their kids treating them wrongly are stepping away or wanting to break away that deep down in those parents' hearts that there's still a love for their children and there's still a desire to see them. So if that can take place in someone who is sinful, if that can take place in someone who's in need of a savior, how much greater then are those things that God has for us, his children? He still loves you. He's still proud of you. He still has those same dreams. He still has those same aspirations. He still looks at you and still pictures the best. And if I can drop back to what my dad said earlier, if we were to ask God, God, what's your favorite part about being a father? God, what's your, I bet he'd say, you know what? I love seeing the, I love seeing the me in them. And I love seeing the best in them when they don't even realize it. I bet he would go on, I love watching them when their faces just light up. It just does something to me. I bet he would go on and said, I love showing them new things. I love when they break away from everything, open the word, begin to read and spend time to me. And then in that moment, I can go, bam. And then you're like, man, I've read this verse my entire life, but there's brand new revelation now. And God's sitting back there going, I love showing them new things. I love showing them new things. I think he'd go on to say, I love watching them grow up. Like, I love them as children, but to sit back and go, man, when did that take place? When did that, man, when, when did that happen? 
Man, how awesome is that? I bet God takes pride in that. And once again, as the one father said, I bet God would step back and say, it's all good. And I love being their, I love being their father in the good and in the bad. Because, because even in the bad, it doesn't disqualify them. I'm still their heavenly father. I bet he loves when we come to him for help and for guidance. That he, said, he sits back and goes, man, that my child would come to me to hear from me. I, I bet that he sits back, and I really like this one. I bet he sits back. I bet one of his favorite parts is having children just like him. We talked about imitating God two weeks ago. Man, I, I bet he loves looking back and going, well, he's just like me. She's just like me. There's something, there's something different about this one. I bet he loves watching us grow up in our different personalities. We're all unique. We're all different. And God gets to sit back and he just looks and goes, man, how incredible. And this final one, I bet God loves sitting back and going, I love, my favorite part is getting to hang out with my grown kids. I love getting to hang out with my own kids. Once again, some of us need to realize what it's like to be children again. Bow your heads and close your eyes. A couple months back, I was down here worshiping on a, on a Sunday morning and, and I felt God speak to me and there's was, there was three things he gave me. And out of those three things, all three of the th different thoughts became messages. One was imitate God, reflect God. One was make room, another message which I've preached on a Sunday morning before. And the final one was a thought called childish. And so as I opened that notebook back up and as I began to read, because I knew I felt God wanted me to speak that, there was a very specific image that God spoke to me that day. And I look up and the youth are worshiping, jumping, praising. The image and thought of David worshiping, jumping, and praising popped into my mind again. But then there was a phrase. And it was, Daddy, watch me dance. Hey, Dad, watch me dance. And I had a picture of a young, of a young child pulling on their dad's arm in a dress, saying, hey, Daddy, watch me dance. And the father turns around sees his daughter just twirling. She's been practicing. It's her favorite dress. She starts spinning. She's giggling and she's laughing. And the father's watching with tears in his eyes. Such love. Such love. And it's not that they were sad tears. Overjoyed as he looked upon the beauty of his daughter. 
and just smiling. Because out of all people, she wanted him. Some of us need to remember what it was like to be children again. Some of us need to remember what it's like that really the only person we want us looking at is our father. I don't care about, I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my status. I don't care about where I am, daddy, please watch me dance. Dad, watch me. Lord, look at me. He knows as that father watches that she ain't perfect. That maybe just 20, 30 minutes earlier she may have been complaining, but it all passes away. He still has dreams for you. He still loves you. He still cares for you. He still sits back and thinks about the best thing about being your father. He takes pride in you still. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. He loves you. If our earthly fathers can have such love, and if our earthly fathers can care so much, if our earthly fathers can have such thoughts, how much greater then are the thoughts and the dreams and the things that our heavenly Father has for us? I want to be a child again. I want to remember what it's like to rest in my parents' arms. I want to remember what it was like to lay my head against my father's chest and hear his heartbeat. Lord, I want, to, I want to know what it's like again. That in the midst of being scared, midst of being afraid, not knowing what's happening, to have the embrace of someone stronger than me. I want to know what it's like to have my father's eyes gaze upon me again. Daddy, watch me dance. Watch me dance. place and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ you've, you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ today is your day we understand and we know that Jesus was the son of God and came to this earth and he lived a perfect life 
without sin, without blemish. And he died the death of a criminal on a cross. And ultimately he was the perfect sacrifice. And what he did on that cross covers our sins. And we can have forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ. Because he didn't just die on that cross and that was it. Because three days later he rose again. He conquered death, hell and the grave. And today he is seated at the right hand of the Father. place you say you know what I want to make that decision to follow after Jesus I want to make that decision to believe and put my trust that he truly was the son of God that I want to put away these old worldly things and I want to put on the things of the Lord and imitate him if you've never in your life made that decision but you're in this place and say today I choose to follow after Jesus. Today, I want to receive that salvation which he's offering. If that's you in this place, I'm just gonna simply ask you to raise your hand. I'm looking around. The Lord, today, I wanna decide to follow after you. I wanna choose to have salvation in you. Secondly is this. I want everybody to stand for a moment, if you can, if you're physically able to. Keep your eyes closed for me. If you're watching online, I want y'all to join in with us. Close your eyes in this moment. I don't know who specifically this message was for today but I think that's a call that we can all hold on to. As he plays for a moment, can we remember what it's like to be a child in the arms of our father, to be a child in the arms of our mother, to be a child again in the arms of our grandparents or an aunt or an uncle, to remember what it was like to smell their clothes or maybe even the cologne or perfume they may have been wearing what it was like for those strong arms to pick you up. That maybe when you couldn't walk any further, they were there to pick you up. Maybe they even threw you on their shoulders. But what it was like to be a child. What it was like to be a child. Father wants to meet with you today. Your father wants to spend time with you today. But he wants to spend time with his child. He wants to spend time with his children. And some of us need to learn to take on the understanding. Some of us need to take on the mantra of, Daddy, watch me dance. God, I want your attention. Dad, I want you to see me. Once again, he still loves you. He still cares for you. He still dreams about you. He still has a calling in your life. He still takes pride in you. And son, daughter, 
He is still proud of you. He is still proud of you. Lord, I pray over this congregation today. Lord, I pray that those in this room who have ears to hear and have heard your word today, Lord, I pray that there would be a new love of the Father inside of their life. God, that as they walk out this room, they will be changed. God, that as they walk out this room, they have a new understanding of who their heavenly father is. And God, as they reflect on how good their earthly fathers may have been, Lord, as they reflect on how their earthly fathers may not have been, Lord, in the midst of all of that, God, can we take hold? And Lord, may they understand and know that it doesn't matter how even good we can think a father could be. Lord, that you are even greater. Lord, that you are even greater. May they know that they are loved. May they know that their heavenly father cares for them. Lord, may they know that you are proud of them and you still take pride in them. That you are not, on a, you are not ashamed that they are your children, but that you are proud of them. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone says amen. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I will emphasize this and say this every time I get the opportunity. When we are in moments of services like this and, and we hear a message and we respond or emotionally something takes place in us and, and we connect to what is being said. It's important and it's great. But what's more important is what takes place once you walk through these doors, out these doors. If, you don't, if we don't take and apply what we've heard, if we don't take and apply what has, be, what has been spoken to our lives, then we just simply had that an emotional moment in a church. But when we take what has been spoken, when we take what has been heard, when we take what has been stirring inside of us and we go home and we continue to cultivate it, we continue to spend time with God, we continue to hear and read his word, like that's where true change begins to start taking place inside of our lives. Once again, if you're not striving to spend that time with God, if you're not striving to read his word, I want to encourage you. I don't want to condemn you and say, how dare you? I want to encourage you. Your life will change forever. Your life truly will change forever. 